Podcast Tax Mood, Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn is with Heinel Banhort out in uh, Peoria, Illinois. And Glenn is a kind enough to be on here to guide us through the rapid changingly to rapid yes. changing world of taxes, man. So how you been, man? Real good, yeah. Staying busy, but you know, got your Christmas shopping done? Not quite. No, but I got a week, so you know. I always start about Christmas Eve about noon. That's right. when I can talk my Good stuff, man. All right. Well, a lot of stuff came down here the last since the last time we talked. Um, yeah, I have a have a lot of good stuff going here. And you brought up there's some final interest expense rules that have been more or less finalized or actually pushed that last phase of, of approval. So yeah. talk about that a little bit. We see happening there. So yeah, these are the it's 163J is the code section for anyone that cares, but it's the interest expense limitation, and it was. We had some proposed rules released last year, and then the question was, hey, are we going to get final rules? You know, there's So there's proposed rules. They have public hearings. There's comments. Uh, I believe the public hearing was in February of, of this earlier this year, and so they've taken a while to release them. They're not technically released yet. They're in this final stage of review um, by OMB, Office of Management and Budget. So we know they're probably going to be coming out, you know, maybe the next couple of weeks. So... We don't know what they say, but we know they're very close to being released. Um, now, technically, if they're not officially published in the Federal Register by 1231, they won't actually be applicable for 2019. You can apply. It's like you can apply them early or you can choose to apply them just in 2020. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, they maybe didn't want to throw this, you know, at everybody's, you know, on their desk right before your end here and make you like force you to apply these rules. And we've had a whole year to not know what these rules are. I'm hoping that they're going to be optional for 2019, if that makes sense. So we've talked about it um, a number of times. Actually, we, we've talked about it a few times, you know, in the context of your business Casey. you know, being a dealership and the interest and the floor plan interest in that, it certainly would have more applicability to your business. Uh, most farmers aren't going to be over $26 million in revenues unless they're considered a tax shelter, which actually we're hoping that maybe these final rules will, will define a little bit more what a tax shelter is. So, yeah. so that's, that's uh, one idea. Um, another thing that's just come up, which we didn't talk about Casey is, you, you know, you've maybe heard about these extenders bill. You know, they're, they're passing this spending bill. The house passed this bill yesterday. There was, there was a few tax things attached to it, you know, certain credits and things that kind of expire, and then they, you know, they're technically expired right now. We've had, you know, again, we've gone 11 and a half months and now they, they'll maybe pass something here this week and they'll be retroactive back in effect for the whole year. So, you know, this is kind of just the normal process now, uh, these extenders bill, the, this patch. Um, so it's, you know, biodiesel credit and things like that. So, um, but it, it did pass the house. And from what I understand, it's, it's very likely going to pass the Senate and get get signed into law. So it does make it a little difficult for tax planning um, if you don't know whether these credits are going to be around. So, yeah, that would make a big difference. That would make a real big difference. Yep. All right. So you brought up another one here that there's uh, some conversation about. 
um, tax basis and in, in, uh, capital tax basis in the K-1 forms. Talk yep. about that a little bit. So this is, yeah, the form 1065. This is for a partnership. Um, this, you know, typically would be for LLCs that are taxed as a partnership. And we've talked about, you know, over the last few years, how a lot more businesses seem to be LLCs now and some of the benefits of that. Um, so the bottom line is they were going to radically change, uh, pretty close to radically change the, the tax return on what you have to provide as additional information on the K-1 in particular, which is kind of what you, you receive. And this was all about, uh, part of this was all about the IRS really maybe starting to audit partnerships more than they have in the past. Um, and so the bottom line is there was a lot more work that was going to have to be done. Uh, actually, the big four CPA firms, you know, the largest CPA firms in the world, really, they wrote a letter. They wrote a combined letter in about two days, which is, say, says something if you can get all those people together on the same page and said, hey, you can't do this to us, you know, because we're not ready. We're not prepared, you know, to provide this information. You know, you might think this is easy to do, but it's not. And so the IRS did kind of back off on on a few things. Um, so we don't have to do quite as much for 2019, but it'll be in effect for 2020. So these are more just things that are unfortunately probably going to increase the cost of your tax return. Um, it's typically not going to be an issue if you form the partnership from day one together and each of you puts in cash or the same property and you don't have any ownership changes. But if you, if later on, you know, you bring in another partner and they, they, you know, put cash into the business, then you have some, uh, some rules around it's called 704c if you remember casey the, the classic example i like to talk about is hey you have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar tractor and you didn't depreciate it at all and you're going to contribute that into the partnership and i have a two hundred fifty thousand dollar tractor so we're 50 50 economically to you know but i depreciated it last year on my tax return so i don't have any depreciation left and so we put it into the partnership together the question is how do we share that depreciation expense which is really your depreciation expense. And if it's an S corporation, we would share that depreciation expense 50, 50 with a partnership. You say, no, that's not fair. Cause you know, me, Glenn, I took my depreciation last year. So we're going to give it all to Casey. So the bottom line is they're going to make us put, put a little recap on the K one of how much, if there's any difference like that and report it annually, what that kind of tainted asset, which for me would be a tainted asset is. So, so it's only an issue if we if we don't bring equal uh, tax basis to the table, right? We brought we're bringing equal value in that example, two fifty and two fifty. But you've got full tax basis. I have no tax basis. And the IRS says, hey, give if we don't do another thing ever in this partnership, except for you know maybe rent out those machines, let's say all that two hundred fifty thousand dollars depreciation goes to you. And then once you've taken all your depreciation, now we're even, right? Now right. we both own a tractor with no basis and <laughs> what the value is. So it's something we've always known about, and, and it's, it's pretty tricky when you have multiple layers of people coming in and coming out. But now they're going to kind of make us put it out there in lights, like, hey, that I've got a $250,000 tax problem, basically. Mm-hmm. And if I just if I keep reporting it as two hundred fifty thousand, two hundred fifty thousand, you put the beginning of the year, end of the year, that's really kind of telling the IRS that and there can be exceptions, but it, it's kind of telling the IRS that maybe we're not actually following the rules because my two hundred fifty thousand dollar problem should be stair stepping down over time, and if it's not, there's an issue. So, but the big four, you know, they they had issues with it with these large partnerships. They're like, we can't we can't do this. 
And so it got deferred mostly, but the 704C responsibility, it's called that $250,000 unrealized gain for me needs, is still supposed to be reported on the K-1. And there's no exceptions. Even the smallest partnerships have to do this. So, so basically this is mostly kind of insider baseball stuff, you know, amongst tax nerds and things, but, but it is, it is something that's going to increase your, increase your, uh, could increase the you know the fees for your return if you've got a number of ownership changes. Yep. Okay. All right, man. Last but not least, the uh, the tax issue that just won't go away. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, the grain glitch thing that we thought was fixed last time we had this conversation yep. has kind of reared its ugly head, and there's still some more questions out there whether if it's actually where they want it to be or not. Yeah, and I think we talked about this not last podcast, but the podcast before. And this, okay. so this is not near as significant as you know, twenty percent of gross sales versus twenty percent of net profit. But basically, and this has been out maybe I don't know, maybe three weeks now. There was a conference that was held in Washington D.C. and tax conference. And at this conference, they typically will have you know IRS representatives there on a panel, or just it's kind of nice, right, to get their take on things. And so there was kind of a comment made about how to compute qualified business income for a farmer in effect. Uh, so qualified business income is your net profits from farming. Um, and so how do you compute this? And everyone, you know, kind of thought, well, we know how to compute it, you know, cause we've done it, you know, for a whole year, um, you know, but now we're going to be going to year two. And there was this comment thrown out that, well, maybe we have to calculate it this way. And unfortunately it would be a little bit of a negative. So, just as a recap, I think this is important, you know, we weren't sure originally, but now we know that, you know, you start with, I'm going to assume you're a sole proprietor, you know, the farmer. So you start with your schedule F profit, right? That's qualified business income. You then have to consider certain things like certain expenses that aren't on schedule F, but are still business deductions, like your self-employed health insurance deduction. That's technically not on schedule F. It's on page one of the return, but it's, it has the same effect other than self-employment tax. So we know we've got to take our schedule of income where we've got to reduce it by self-employed health insurance. If you're making any sort of retirement plan contributions, you know, you've got to reduce it for that. Um, you've got to reduce it for um, 50% of the self-employment tax. So these things weren't immediately obvious to us a year ago, but you know, the IRS came out with guidance and said, no, you've got to consider these, these things reduce your qualified business income. And if your qualified business income is reduced, then you're not going to get as much of a tax deduction, right? Because if you have $100,000 of QBI, we call it, right? When you consider everything, you get a $20,000 free deduction. So you only pay income tax on 80000 It's a pretty sweet deal, right? You pay, your income is actually 100 but you only pay tax on eighty. So, So we want our QBI to be as high as possible, okay? Right. So we were like, hey, we now know what QBI is and how to compute it. But this comment was dealing with... Um, what's called the, the old DPAD deduction. So this is where we get into the co-op thing. So if you're selling grain to a co-op, the co-op would pass out a deduction to you. And it's just a free deduction that was, you know, started with, I think back in 2005, as if I remember when the, this DPAD domestic production activities deduction was around. And so it was just a free deduction that would come on a 1099 patronage. Um, I believe it was uh, box six, and so 
co-ops may or may not pass this out. But if they do pass it out, what this IRS person alluded to is that 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 amount that's passed out on your on this 1099 patronage would actually reduce your QBI as well. Okay, so even though it's not a cash expense, right? So your fertilizer expense is a cash expense, you know, seed, wages, your self-employment tax, your health insurance, your retirement plan contribution, all these are expenses and they all reduce QBI, but you pay money for them. This DPAD deduction that's passed out on this form is you don't you know the farmer didn't spend any money. And so most people thought, and I don't think anyone computed it this way in 2018, no one reduced QBI by this amount that was passed out on the 1099 patients. I looked at a number of websites, you know, universities, and no one did it this way. But the IRS is saying, hey, this is how we need to do it. Now, um, they didn't provide much citation. They said, well, look at the statute. Uh, this article was written about three weeks ago, and I don't believe the IRS has responded. So I'm not sure that I, that I know of anyone that's going to actually change their mind, but, they, but it's certainly possible if the IRS comes out with guidance, like in instructions. So they could come out with, uh, we have forms now, and, and they're not final, but they could say, here's how you compute it. So, but if the IRS is going to take this stand, then really, I, I don't know that there's anyone that actually did it correctly, using that, you know, using that in quotes, because, because no one thought that this kind of free side deduction that the farmer doesn't pay cash for would reduce QBI. So is it extremely significant? No. It, if you're just selling to a private elevator, right, this doesn't matter. But if you are selling to a co-op, there may be another interpretation that we have to work through, and, and but we hope we would get some guidance here from the IRS if they're going to take the stand. So anyway, pretty pretty crazy. But yeah. if we thought we had it figured out, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't, yeah. We've had that conversation. It's almost like the, the China trade deal. We thought we have a deal, but we don't. So you never, you never yeah. know what's going yeah. on. The true. About it. So. All right, Glenn. So here we are at the end of the year. We've got Oh, what's today? Today is the 18th of December. So we've got just a few weeks left, two weeks left in the year here. Um, a lot of stuff going on, uh, a lot of late harvest stuff going on. So I'm sure a lot of folks are are behind schedule getting coming to talk to you about what they've got yeah. going on and what they don't got going on. Yep. So I guess what are some last minute tax planning tips, I guess, heading into yeah. the end of the year you'd want to give some folks out there? You know, when you're really under the gun, and again, you know, you can be under the gun when you got a lot of things going on which is totally understandable. One of the things that we've talked about this before, but I think most people kind of understand that, you know, they can sell grain in the fall and just say, Hey, don't, don't give me the check, right? Hold that check till January 1st. And so, you know, I think that's pretty common knowledge. You can defer that income, but what we like to do just as cushion is and what some people may not know is that we can be, I can be talking with a farmer client in February and we can say, you know what? Our income is too low. We've got, we've got a loss. We don't want a loss or whatever it is. And we can actually retroactively take that income, even though it was deposited in January of 2020 and show that as income in 19. And so the strategy then is if we're really, you know, not sure and, and, and we don't want to stress ourselves out, the strategy is really to have your income a little too low just to be safe, right? It's actually lower than I want it to be, but I know I've got $100,000 of grain that I'm gonna, that I deposited in January so I can get it up to the level that I want and I can use hindsight. So, so that's probably the biggest thing that if, if we are under the gun, we just talk about now. The important thing is if you just have one contract, 
for $100,000, you can only increase your income by $100,000, right? It's either zero or 100. But if you've got five or 10 contracts that make that up, you can, you can move that income back from 2020 into 19 on a contract by contract basis. So again, yeah. if you would mess up and you know, no one is perfect, right? You can say, well, you know what? My income's too low. I don't like that. I can then take my income and, and pick it up. The key thing is you got to make sure you don't pick that income up again in 2020, right? But that's probably the biggest tool in our toolbox is if we're, we're kind of under the gun and we're not sure, you get your income kind of a little lower than you want it to be. And then you just know, hey, I've got enough grain that I can sprinkle it back in. So it's kind of nice to have that as, a, as an option. Um, well, good stuff as usual, Glenn. That's a good, that is a great tip because that's one of those things, I, you guys, there's, that's one thing about, especially on the farming aspect of how you can move income from year to year and, yeah. and retroly go back. And like you said, the hindsight thing is always 2020. So yeah. um, good stuff there. Good stuff there, Glenn. All right, Glenn, if folks want to reach out to you, and uh, pick your brain or just get some more information about how uh, Heinel Banwart can uh, work for them, what's the best way to do it? Yeah, it's best to call our office here at Heinel Banwart, our number 309-694-4251. We're based in East Peoria, Illinois. Uh, or you can always look me up on Twitter at Glenn Burnbaum is my handle. Right on, man. Right on. And I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitch Radio, anywhere else you can find uh, podcasts out there. Also, check me out on social media at Moving Iron LLC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, check out the Global Ag Network, where I am associated with some other great podcasters out there. And you can find them at globalagnetwork.com and also at Global Ag Network on all the social media platforms out there. Um, so, I guess, Glenn, until next time, have a have a Merry Christmas. And if we don't talk to each other that, have a good New Year. And we'll... Uh, We'll re redirect here uh, after the first year. Okay, Casey. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks. Right. Let's get out, Moose Myron, folks. This is Casey Seymour. Out. Moving in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving time and time again. Through the years you'll find a seed